Hi, everybody. Hope you're doing well. It is Monday, February 28th at 10.53 a.m. I promised on Twitter that I'd get a quick cast, a live cast to you this morning, and here we go. Uh, before I get too deep into basketball talk, uh, a couple interesting things have happened on the football front since I really talked about it. Number one, Michael Alamo entered the football uh, transfer portal uh, last week and wrote his thank you and uh, you know all that stuff that they do uh, players do when they when they leave and today he withdrew his name out of the transfer portal and removed his thank you note off of his Twitter feed so that's good news I, I think there was a guy on Twitter I can't remember who it was who said we're pretty thin at QB but let's let's really look you've got uh, O'Connell you've got now I would probably say Alamo is second Burton and of course Brady Allen, who um, is going to be a beast. So that's a pretty hardy quarterback room. I really like it a lot. I think it's a smart move for Alamo. My guess is maybe put his toe in the water. I don't know. You never know. Maybe he thought he would get more interest jumping at him right away, but maybe he didn't get the big-time program interest that he thought he'd get. Big, lively arm. Let's, let's repeat that. Big arm. Really a lot of swagger and moxie. Uh, a healthy ego about him according to uh, Coach Brahm and others who have met him. And uh, that's, that's nothing but positive for me. But I, I wanted to talk about a couple things. I, I hinted at this on Twitter, and I want to talk about some specific things about the basketball team and what we're looking at as we get on the stretch. But before I do it, let me thank our sponsors. Uh, go to Gridiron Metalworks, Interboiled at checkout. I know you're going to buy it. Make a huge order because you're ready. You're ready to do it. Interboiled, get 15% off. Uh, Martin Vintage, great classic t-shirts, Purdue family, uh, really nice stuff. They have a nice Purdue basketball fundamental shirt you should check out. And they have a deal on sweatshirts right now. I think it's uh, $45 for a sweatshirt. So check that out. Interboil to check out 15% off. And of course, AJ's, our pals at AJ's. If you're going to be on campus for the IU game or after it, the spring game, whenever, head over to AJ's, uh, grab a pint, enjoy the TV, grab some Italian beef, a burger, mac and cheese bites, do it. Do it. All right, so let's talk about a couple things. First one, uh, and I see I've got Todd Singers on here live. Appreciate it. I'll address that at the end, but I want to go through a couple things first. So first off, um, Purdue in this final stretch of games, they've got, of course, at Wisconsin tomorrow at 9 p.m. Then you've got uh, IU at Mackey, and then the Big Ten Tournament. I had someone ask me the question, really, is the set are the settings – Pardon me. Are the standings of the Big Ten set? Of course they're not set. But Purdue's standings and Purdue's enter to the Big Ten tournament is a bit locked in this way. They're going to get a double uh, bye as far as I understand it. Right now, uh, Purdue is tied in second with Illinois, and they've got the tiebreaker, uh, so they'd be the higher seed. Wisconsin is sitting outright in first because they only have four losses, Purdue's five. Purdue has a chance to beat Wisconsin, get a share of that title. Of course, lock in. Um, I don't know what seed they'd be because you'd have to go into a second tiebreaker tie versus Wisconsin. But they'd beat Illinois in the tiebreaker, um, and then you'd have Ohio State. Purdue is possible. They could drop down to fourth, but they couldn't drop below fourth because they have the tiebreaker over Ohio State. That's how I understand it. So if you look ahead, Purdue could possibly lose to Wisconsin, lose to IU, <clears throat> and then go to the Big Ten tournament as a four seed, get the double bye, so start on Friday. If they beat Wisconsin, beat IU, of course they'll be um, a one or a two seed. I really don't know. It's probably a, a score thing or points, my guess. 
Um, so Purdue and Wisconsin are, are pretty much deadlocked. Purdue has the tiebreaker over Illinois, so they'd be ahead of them. Maybe somebody can explain that to me, what they understand the tiebreaker be, where Purdue would stand if they beat Wisconsin, then beat IU. People have said this team is interesting because they think they could win or lose any game. They could go into Wisconsin and really lay a thumping on them, or they could go into Wisconsin and get whipped like they did versus Michigan. I don't see the latter happening there myself. I think Purdue will um, go into Wisconsin, play hard, um, but I don't know if we have any real reason to believe uh, that they're going to I, – I, I don't think we have a reason to believe that they're going to thump Wisconsin. I really don't. Um, sure they could. And Matt Painter has been awfully good at the Kohl Center, but I just don't see that happening. Okay, so that's the first thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, so um, I wanted to also jog your memory about something. Purdue had a really good team a couple of years ago. Uh, Juwan Johnson, Etwan Moore, senior year. They ended the game f- or ended the season four straight losses. Then they went. Um, they may have lost the Big Ten tournament there because that was one of their that was their fourth loss. And then they went and had a dis- disappointing flameout versus VCU, Shaka Smart's VCU team. Um, that was 2011. So it's not ancient history. Many of you guys who are listening remember that. Probably most of you guys who remember that. Purdue is in the position, position they could they could lose some pretty – it'd be pretty painful if they kind of circled the drain, looked disinterested, uh, didn't come into Wisconsin or IU – inspired uh but my my gut would tell me that they'll come into iu really inspired regardless of the outcome of wisconsin um i sure as hell hope so uh i don't know why um this team's pretty even keel which is a good and a bad thing but um like i told you guys last time i, I really like to see a fire lit under them at some point second thing i wanted to talk about and i and i hinted at this and this is kind of a clickbait type thing on twitter and i said wisconsin really is purdue plus and what i meant by that is Wisconsin has a program that's created an identity in doing a couple things really well. They play good, solid defense. They beat you up a little bit. They have a bit of a bully mentality. Uh, They always have an unlikable guy on the roster almost every year. Part of that is because Davison's been there for 115 years. Um, But uh, they they generally have a guy like that on the team, especially for the last 20 years. Even before that, into into the 90s when you had Bennett as the coach, uh, they were similar. Um, but the, the program took a huge uptick in the in the early 2000s. And here's where Wisconsin is much, much, much better than Purdue in the tournament since 2000. They have three Final Fours. And this is a pipe dream for Purdue teams. But really, they had a couple great teams, a couple great players that carried them there. They were runner-up in the NCAA tournament in 2015. I believe that was in Indianapolis. I saw, um, I think I saw them beat Kentucky, I believe. And then uh, they lost in the final, I believe. Uh, they were in the final four in 2014. And of course, in 2000, if you're a Purdue historian, you remember Purdue beating Wisconsin, I think for the fourth time that season, to get to the final four. In the round of eight, they Purdue played Wisconsin, and uh, Purdue came up on the short end. One, one of the most frustrating Purdue losses I can ever remember, even comparing it to everything we've seen as Purdue fans, that was tough to swallow. So Wisconsin's identity and the fact that you look at them – Golden Black talked about this. Newbert talked about this. You look at that team, you're, you're often not impressed, right? Obviously, Johnny Davis is great. But um, you look at the entire team, you're like, eh. And I, I really can't. I have a hard time removing myself from Purdue and most of the really good Purdue teams. Have Purdue teams been unimpressive to other teams as they came in? Or were they kind of – I think a lot of programs, when they say they're going to face uh, the some of the great KD teams and great Painter teams that were defensive-minded – 
I think that defense was scary to a lot of teams. I think you look at Wisconsin as an opposing fan, you're like, yeah, we should be able to handle these guys. And then Wisconsin does what they do so well over and over, and they keep winning. They're going to get, uh, let's see, I think they, they have a share of the Big Ten title if they beat their last opponent, regardless of what happens, Purdue, Wisconsin. Um, so I, actually, I think they may, be, they may have it already. But I look at Greg Gard. I'm unimpressed with him. I, he doesn't uh, send me Gene Cady vibes in that um, he's, not, he's not that intimidating of a guy. He just seems like a jerk. Um, but he's not Bo Ryan either. Bo Ryan, I thought, always had that program dialed in and did something special. Greg Gard, I, I never felt that way. And maybe it's because they have slow starts and they did it again this year in the, in the pre-con. I don't know. But in the Big Ten, they handle their business flat out and you can't, you can't disparage them for that and obviously for that tournament success. Finally, the third thing I wanted to uh, look at was a little bit deeper dive. And it was something that <clears throat> a lot of Purdue fans have said, man, uh, sometimes I just don't enjoy watching this team as much as previous teams. Even as last year, I had somebody say, that they liked watching last year's team a bit more than this year. And if you really think about why that might be, which I've been trying to analyze this, I think um, there's a couple things. Number one, when a team is exceeding expectations, that's one thing fans love to see because you look. it looks like the guys are just grinding and working hard. Last year, that team was really doing some things that you're like, well, this is fun to watch this team grow up, and they've got a lot of good things happening. So that's one thing. So exceeding expectations is a big deal, big thing. But the second thing, I think a lot of people like surprises, meaning you come into the game, you're like, I don't know how this is going to go, and then your team, Purdue, beats that team. Okay, So I wanted to look at dig a little bit deeper in the idea of surprises are great, except when they're not great, because we've had some surprises this year that, and I have anyway, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we've had surprises this year that weren't the best, most positive thing. And let me give you some examples. Okay, on the loss, let's go, let's go positive first, okay? On the positive side, the Nova game for me, the Purdue-Villanova game, um, that, was a, that was a surprise. I didn't think Purdue would beat Villanova. I thought they'd beat North Carolina. I didn't think they'd beat Villanova. And the way they did it was awesome because Purdue kind of had more horse. Well, didn't know kind of about it. They had more horses. They poured it on at the end, right? That was a that was a big surprise. Florida State game was a, was a surprise to me because the offense was so dominant at the end of the game, especially that second half. Purdue just had this gear that overwhelmed Florida State. I thought Florida State was still pretty good at that point. I was wrong, clearly. Um, so that's the thing. Got to look at things through context of what we know versus what we knew then. Um, I think beating Illinois at Illinois was a big deal. That was a game that showed me a lot of toughness. That 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 was probably, in my opinion, Purdue played their toughest brand of basketball all season in Champaign. So that one surprised me. Um, Illinois uh, at Purdue. Uh, Purdue dominated that game at offense at times. I thought Purdue would win, but it, it was the nature of that win. Um, I thought Purdue would lose at Illinois. <clears throat> but at Mackey, I thought Purdue would win in a closer game. Um so then let's go into the negatives, okay? And this is the problem. So I gave you four positives, surprises that I that I um, thought that the game wouldn't go that way. And it really was kind of, you know, like, wow, that was great. That was awesome. You walk away from it with a real positive feeling regardless. And then on the other side, on the negatives, you had the Rutgers road loss, I think, disappointed about everybody just because the nature of it and the fact that Rutgers kept their stranglehold on Purdue. That was a disappointment. Wisconsin beating Purdue at Mackey. The students weren't there. There was no paint crew, and that makes a big difference at Mackey, of course. But the way Wisconsin methodically beat Purdue, and Purdue couldn't get close at the end and make a stop, that was frustrating. Of course, Johnny Davis, again, Superman. Um, the 
Michigan road loss, of course, was extremely disappointing. We can say whatever we want of the reason, but that game was extremely disappointing for me because I thought Purdue could sweep Michigan. Uh, I thought there was a really good chance of that. And not only did they not sweep them, they got just absolutely thrashed in uh, Chrysler. <clears throat> and then, of course, the Michigan State road loss. I don't know if I went into that game fully expecting Purdue to beat Michigan State because it's still a road game. But uh, part of me definitely thought Purdue should be able to handle their business because of the week off and the fact that Michigan State was just floundering and, and trying to find identity, uh, but didn't go Purdue's way, and uh, that's Purdue's fault. Again, something they did. On the win side, so these are the ones that are interesting. I had some disappointment on the win side. The first one was the Iowa game in Mackey Arena. I think Purdue was set up, were they set up to be number one, or they were just number one? I think they are set up to be number one. I think that's right. Um, yeah, they were, they were. it looked like they could be number one. That was when they didn't jump in number one. Um no, they were they were going to be number one, and they need to beat Iowa to clinch it. They come into that game. Iowa extends that defense. The trap completely floors Purdue. Purdue looks bad for big stretches. They extend leads. They can't hold leads. Couldn't couldn't make them better. And I thought Purdue um, really didn't play as well as they should have. They got the win, 77-70, I believe. But that was a big deal. That was a bit of a disappointment outcome. And then another win that disappointed me, of course, was Maryland, just because that was a game— in the wake of that bad Michigan loss, Purdue plays Maryland, and they were sluggish, and they were um, just not a good team on offense either, which is pretty unusual in this season. So if you look at the whole season, the, the body of work right now, Purdue's tone was really set, and the expectation was really set back in late November. November 21st, I think, was the date of the Villanova win. That's a long time ago, and I think that's part of the thing. Purdue fans set this bar. Many of you said they're going to be number one. Many of you said they're going to win out. They're going to go straight through the season without losing, which I, I, I said then. That is absolute foolishness, of course. Um, but the bar was set high. That's the point. A lot of you who are even longtime Purdue fans who have a really, really good understanding of what Purdue basketball is had a very high bar there. So the expectation was set in November. The second thing is, uh, the improvement in this team isn't as apparent as it has been in previous seasons. Meaning, this team came in right out of the box. They were good, right? They were good. They showed it to us. In November, they beat North Carolina. They beat Villanova. They were rolling through teams with an amazing uh, uh, offense, amazing depth. So many guys got involved. It looked like Purdue was nearly invincible. And that's why some of us, our expectations went up so high. And then, of course, getting to number one, I think for us, that felt different. So that's cool. Um, but uh, then uh, I think we're used to watching um, improvement from Purdue teams, right? Generally, Matt Painter teams come in the season. They're good. They look like they're working hard, but they're not quite a finished product. Product, pardon me. Um, this Purdue team, though, I think many, myself included, thought that defense would make a big step in January. And after watching Purdue beat Butler and look so different after that break, I felt like that was that pivotal point, and it never happened. The defense never has gelled, has never gotten to the point where it's looked like a typical Purdue defense. And I think that's tough for Purdue fans as well. And it's something that hangs over Purdue fans as we watch games. They're like, okay. Are they going to lose a lead? Yes, they're going to lose a lead. They do it over and over and over. They get big leads, 10-point leads, 20-point leads, and they almost always shrink. All these things, though, the, you know, these problems point back to something Painter started talking about back in December, and that is mental toughness, mental consistency has been a struggle for this team. And I think that's the thing that they aren't getting better at. I think that's the hardest thing to watch. And that's why a lot of us at this point in the season say, this Purdue can, team could make a huge run in the, big, in, the, in, the, 
in the NCAA tournament. But they could also bow out way early and become a story because they bow out to a team they're not supposed to lose to. <clears throat> That's the hard thing. So why are they not mentally tough? Again, I said this, I started saying this a couple weeks ago. I think it's because they don't have a defined leader. They have a bunch of guys that are good players, nothing against them, a bunch of guys that are super likable, easy to cheer for, but they don't have one guy that seems to define what the team is. And I think that might be the biggest rub because that guy, if you have one guy who is the clear leader, the Carson Edwards, when his, his junior year, he can gather that team together, yell at them, get in their face, whatever. And they may respect it even more than hearing a coach in the timeout. And that's the thing. On the court, you don't have to take a timeout if you've got that on-court leader. Purdue has been known for having these guys over the past 20, 30, 40 years. For my life, I can always remember there was the, you know, the great teams had great leaders. This team has great guys, but maybe not the best leaders. So I'm going to look at some of the, uh, some of the comments here, see if there's anything in here. Um, yeah, uh, Brock Stepler, uh, just kind of a, a random thing. He says, I look at uh, this morning and to my coworker, I said, this tournament could be wild. It could be completely wild. Obviously, we're all kind of shaded by um, what we saw last weekend, uh, one through six in the AP all losing and then eight losing as well. And we, and we look at that. We look through that prism and we say, oh, wow, you know, these teams are beatable. But let's look at who beat them, okay? Even in Purdue's case, you have a team that's just out of the top 25, good team, um, Michigan State, it looks to me, let's see, they would probably be, a, what, a six seed, a five seed, I'm guessing. Um, I would think they'd be in that ballpark, depending on how they finish the season. That's not a horrible upset for a high seed, even if a, a one or two gets you know beaten by that team in the, uh, what that be, third round. Um, that's not a huge upset, but... The Colorado game, maybe a little uh, smelling salts for Arizona. Who knows? That was a pretty surprising loss. But all the other games were ranked teams beating ranked teams. So that's not as much parity as we may think right now. Um, but we'll see. I, I think every year the big the NCAA tournament it hardly ever disappoints. Generally, there's one day that's pretty chalky, and then it's always followed by a day that kind of punches you in the face. Um, so that's what I expect. Um, expect a NCAA tournament. They always, uh, they always get my attention. Let's see. Um, sorry, I'm so bad at fielding questions on the fly, and there's a ton of comments here, and a lot of them had a lot of words, so they're hard, <laughs> hard for me to, to quickly breeze over. Um, but anyway, um, I do appreciate you guys tuning in live. I appreciate you guys who are listening on uh on as a recording and i hope today i gave you guys a little something to think think about because i've been thinking a lot about these things as purdue goes down the stretch obviously purdue is really what they look like purdue could have a historically great season if they win out so if they if they of course if they win the big Ten tournament i don't really even care about that i've told you a hundred times but if they beat wisconsin and iu and win one tournament game that record is going to be up there with some of the best of all time for Purdue. That's a big deal to me. I like seeing that. But if they lose to Wisconsin, beat IU, lose in the Big Ten tournament, all of a sudden that record, I believe, starts looking pretty in line with a lot of Purdue teams we've seen, sweet 16-type teams that were good. The difference is this Purdue was way, way up at the beginning of the season like we were talking about. So expectations matter. The way the, way the team finishes matters more than anything, and all of us. Every single Purdue fan want to see Purdue play their best basketball in March and hopefully early April, April if they're that blessed to get there. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, oh, Nolan Hostetler says, hey, Dowd, what are your thoughts on Newman? Uh, my thoughts on Newman, if you kind of 
tuned into this regularly. Number one, I love Newman. I think it's a big loss that he's not a part of the rotation anymore. I understand why Painter has the perspective that he does where he needs guys that come in and kind of are good at just plugging in and being consistent right away. Newman is not the defender that Morton is. That's the first thing out of the box. He is not. He's not a horrible defender. Um, He's not worse than some of the guys that play regularly, in my opinion. I could dig deeper in that, but I'm not going to right now. But I think the big thing is Newman came in, he was supposed to be a shooter, right? He's supposed to be a guy that knocks down shots. And he takes a little while to get in the flow of the game, especially on games where, um, uh, you know, for one reason or another, he's cold right out of the box. And so he's not a guy that's a microwave, like uh, specifically, like Morton has been. And I think that's hurt his minutes. Of course, Ivy, much of the season... Uh, has given you very little reason to be pulled off the court. He's given a couple recently in the last four games or so. Um, But that's the big story. I think Purdue is uh, weaker because they don't have Newman in the rotation just because I think he's that good of a player. Um, But I also feel like I understand what Painter's saying because he wants guys that are going to come in in a limited role and do big things, and he hadn't shown that. Um, So I think that, uh, remember, let's, let's not forget, Newman got plugged into the starting lineup versus Northwestern, and I thought it was an odd move when it happened by Painter, but I think Painter really wanted to give Newman something to build on, and Newman had an awful, awful game that time. He came in, I think he was turning the ball over, he was missing his shots, and his defense looked bad, and that was an opportunity, and it was kind of a pivotal moment, because then Ivy was back because of uh, his injury, he was fine after that, and he hasn't um, been on the bench much at all, and... um, so now Newman's in the situation that he's in. I hope he sticks around for next season because I think he could be really important. I think they're going to need minutes from him. They're going to need guys that can shoot. Um, and depending upon how those freshmen are right out of the box, I mean, he could be a starter next year. That's the thing. It's wild. But uh, we'll see. And it's a, there are a lot of variables. So we are at over 20 minutes. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you guys are having a great day so far. Hope it started off well. And hope it, uh, hope it finishes even better. God bless you. Hammer down. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.